Welcome to 5E Radio. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining us today in 5 Element Radio. Today we are joined by Dr. Mary Ellen Medke, and I have my co-host with me today, Sam Willett, and I am Jay Kramer, and we will be interviewing Dr. Ellen about her life and experience as an acupuncturist. And Mary Ellen, if you would be so kind as to introduce yourself. Well, good morning, and it's great to be here. Um, Thank you, Jay, and thank you, Sam, for organizing this. Um, Introducing myself, well, let's see. I have been uh, practicing five-element acupuncture for 38 years. My primary practice is in Boulder, Colorado, and I teach at ITEA, the Institute of Taoist Education and Acupuncture in Louisville, Colorado. I have been teaching there since 2000. And yeah, so that's that's a quick answer for you. Okay. And as we all know, we get asked this question all the time. (laughs) I'm curious what your journey was to acupuncture. Well, you know, like any journey, it's never a straight line. Mm -hmm. There's lots of twists and turns. Um, I know one of the questions you had, kind of what were other mentors I've had, and and I would say there's basically three fields that I've always um, had my journey with, and the first one was in art. Uh, My background is definitely in fine arts and painting and photography and and that type of thing. And then I was introduced, I left art school and then, or finished at art school, I should say, and ended up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I was introduced to Tai Chi. Somebody suggested for me to take a Tai Chi class. Actually, I think it was like Aikido or something, but the Mm. guy stopped teaching. And so they said, oh, here's a Tai Chi class over here. So I went to the class and this person that I was studying with had studied with somebody from San Francisco by the name of Ben Lowe. And um, so I studied with him for about a year and got interested in the Tai Chi. Shortly after that, I was then introduced to acupuncture and started receiving acupuncture in Santa Fe. And that also spurred my interest and definitely was in that um, meeting. There was a friend I met there shortly after I arrived to Santa Fe and and the funny story is, is when I got there, within about two days, I lost my wallet and I lost all my money. So I couldn't leave Santa Fe. <laughs> oh, no. I had to get a job. <laughs> and it was, you know, kind of, you know, how, you know, just how things happen. And yeah. so I, I got a job, fortunately, right away. And I met this person at the job. And it was in our meeting that I started to, I thought I was going to become an art therapist. I was going to do art therapy. And so I started explaining art therapy to her. And then she started explaining acupuncture to me. And so it was in our meeting that we really changed directions in our in the course of our lives. She's a big art therapist in New Mexico. Um, she introduced me to acupuncture, and it was just kind of in that crossing that we, you know, we really changed directions. We, you know, we don't chat that often, but when we do, it's just like, you know, as an old friend, it's just like you pick up from where you last left off, and we connect, yeah. and and so on and so forth. So every now and then we touch base and. Anyway, so that's how that's how that intersection happened. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely doing the starving artist thing in Santa Fe when I was there. <laughs> and then I had a, felt like I needed to do some, I wanted to do something a little bit more. I mean, act, doing art is definitely a very solo event. And mm-hmm. I miss the inner connections that you have with people. So when I was in art school, I had a really strong passion for art. But I also had a very strong interest in medicine. 
and um, on one side of my family, the, everyone's either a doctor or a nurse. It's just a whole slew of people on the medical field. But I kept exploring that, and I didn't. None of those really jumped out at me. Um, so shortly after being in Santa Fe, um, my friend says, "Oh, you should go get some acupuncture." I'm like, "Well, this voodoo. I'm not gonna do that." But I thought, "Well, what have I got to lose?" I had. You know, I had several health issues going on. Um, I thought, well, what have I got to lose? So I went, and about the third treatment, I'm going, this is it. This is what I want to do. Wow. And I just went, and I just started reading everything I could on it and talking to people. And anyway, this, and then, you know, seven years later, I was walking into an acupuncture school. So Wow. What about those three treatments inspired you to follow this course? Those three treatments, you know, I had like, I had been going to doctors up to that point and saying, I don't feel good, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And they just said, well, we don't have anything, you know, that we can help you with. It was an autoimmune disease. And they said, we have, there's no cure. You have to live with it for the rest of your life. Um, I was on pain pills. Of course, my diet wasn't very good. But mm-hmm. We don't need to go into that. <laughs> um, and... <clears throat> And this person just started saying, okay, you need to eat this, you need to do that, started changing my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And definitely by that third treatment, it was just like things were changing at a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. And even though I was still in pain, still had the, quote, autoimmune, um, things were changing underneath the surface, and it was it was very powerful. Mm-hmm. So, was that five-element acupuncture? It was Japanese five-element, actually. Mm-hmm. So my first introduction was Japanese five-element in Santa Fe, um, within that month, I decided I wanted to go to acupuncture school, and there was just one in, one school in Santa Fe, and I was going to apply, and when I contacted them, they said, we just decided to close the school. Um, mm-hmm. If you had applied a month earlier, we would have accepted you. But we're saying, the person you need to study with is J.R. Worsley over in England, mm-hmm. and that's the first time I heard J.R.'s name was in Santa mm-hmm. Fe. Oh. And I'm like, well, who's J.R. Worsley? <laughs> anyway, so... it. Yeah, it took a few years. I eventually ended up going to the school in Maryland. Mm-hmm. I debated going to England and studying there or, or doing it in, in the United States, but I didn't know about getting licensed if I went to England. If It was just, you know, lots of things I was juggling. So yeah. um, I ended up doing the, the school in Maryland. Mm-hmm. It's evident you got the Dow on your side the mm-hmm. whole way through from the moment you lost your wallet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, exactly. Wow. Yeah. What was your experience at the school in Maryland like, especially mm-hmm. in the time you did it in? Because nowadays acupuncture is so known and studied and has much more medical um, understanding in the mm-hmm. Western side of things. Mm-hmm. But in the time frame you did it, it was a much different world for acupuncture. Right. It was definitely those more earlier years. Um, my teachers back then were had studied directly with JR and had come over to the United States and started their own school. And um, and when I went, it still had a very strong five-element component to it, mm-hmm. you know, the CF and treating by the CF and, and so on and so forth. It then later on started to shift and change their intention and what and how they taught there. But when I was there, it was still that. And, and part of our training, actually we started our clinical in England first with JR, and Judy and, and you know the different teachers um, 
that taught there, and then we came back, and then we start would start our clinical mm. in Maryland. Okay. And mm. so it was it was, it's like how it was now here at you know at the Louisville School. Uh-huh. It's, you know, it's more of that flavor. Mm. So you met Jr. in your first clinical year. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a standout memory of the first? Well, he had, and I've you probably have heard or seen this recording of Jr. talking about this uh, this this dessert thing. I can't remember what it was called. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This you know, first there's this like crusty layer of you know of dough, and then he'd go into these layers, of, and he did this for our class. And afterwards, we all ran to the little bakery down the street, and we're all like, "We want a sli- vanilla slice." That was it. We want this vanilla slice, and the people in the bakery is like, "What's with this vanilla slice?" <laughs> so we're all taking a bite of it. And what was the metaphor? Well, I think Gr was trying to describe it's like you need to eat food that nourishes you and so he was going on about how the vanilla slice really <laughs> nourishes him as opposed to brown rice but yeah. <laughs> but he knew he needed to eat the brown rice you know because it'd be better mm-hmm. for him but <clears throat> anyway it was that i do remember him going telling mm-hmm. us that story so yeah mm-hmm. so special mm-hmm. so i'm sure that a lot of the things that jr taught come up in your mind often yes Absolutely. Are there certain sayings or lessons that he taught you that pop into your mind more regularly? When, after I was done with acupuncture school, um, we lived in Massachusetts for a year, and then we moved to Colorado, and and I knew this is where we were going to settle. At that time, I really wanted to study more with JR. I really wanted to go to England and go through, you know, their, their bachelor level and their master level and doctor level, if I could. But I had two young children at that point, and I just couldn't do it financially. I just couldn't do it. So my way of studying with JR is he would come to Boulder, and I took over running the consults after about a year or two. And so that allowed me to be able to observe him doing consults. And that was my direct training with JR, really, was mm. was doing these consults and seeing him see client after client after client after client. Mm. He always would see 10 people in a day. And the first few years he came, he did like seven to 10 days. And so, you know, you're seeing 70 to 100 clients. CF, oh CF, 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 CF. Yeah. And I, I didn't miss a day. I was there every day. And I try to absorb as much as I could. Um, I hosted those for probably close to 20 years and then eventually moved it over here to the school and let the school host them at that point. But I had them at my office all that time. Um, Yeah, so that was my direct training. And whenever he had workshops, I would go and so on and so forth. I'm getting to your question. <laughs> so there was a lot of stuff there that I would learn, a lot of nuggets and stuff like that. But the time that I think was the most influential for me was when I studied with JR and Judy Worsley during MAP when they had MAP, what they called MAP 2. And it was in the late um, 1900, no, ni- the 1990s. So, <laughs> wrong time period. <laughs> or the 90s, as she was, and into the early 2000s. And that was amazing because we there was it was a, a group of us and we all would treat each other and do treatments and learn how to just go deeper with your clients and observe how we all changed and shift. And I learned so much. And I, 
used to watch JR and I used to think he had like these questions memorized in his head. You know, it's like, how does he just get in so quickly? He just, he just has his set questions. But the main thing he just said is just be curious. You probably have heard of all said, be curious, be curious. And that really stuck with me. And so I'd watch him interviewing somebody and just how he could just get underneath that superficial level and just find out really what is the nuts and bolts? What, where is somebody getting stuck? How can we get them to be, to flow better and to be more at peace within? And that was my biggest learning is just be curious. And I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of other ones, but that it was in MAP that I, my ability to be a practitioner got even deeper. Mm. Wow. In the videos that we've watched in class of him doing a TD or maybe just working with clients, it seems like he has this amazing ability to speak to the CF. Like there's one video and it's, it's a, the person's a heart CF and he, the way that JR stands to kind of him be the monarch or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and to change that dynamic was mm -hmm. so interesting and profound. Did you see him do that often? He had just an amazing ability to connect with somebody. He was just, he was in the treatment room. He was, he had such a gift and his ability to connect with somebody. I remember one time I was going in for a consult and he walks in because I was just working with him, you know, like a few minutes ago because of the consults and I come, you know, he comes in for a consult for me and then he goes, good morning, sunshine. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like just kind of laugh and you know you just your heart opens up and you're like sure i'll tell you anything <laughs> so yeah hearing you talk about jr's uh ability to connect with people as one of his great strength makes me curious on what for you as an acupuncturist felt like an easy strength of yours that you could kind of root yourself into and what are things over the last 38 years that you've had to work maybe a little extra on? So what was easy and what was hard? Yeah. <laughs> um, I know with my acupuncture practice, I relied a lot on my other two big influences. One was art. And the art was a lot about observing, seeing, being in nature, and just observation, basically. Mm -hmm. And being able to capture it and light and darkness and, and so on and so forth. So there was definitely this sense of, of, of observing. And then the other one was Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. And I started studying Tai Chi in 1980. And then, of course, art I did when I was a kid. But um, I, when I first came to Santa Fe and started studying with somebody, he had mentioned his teacher being in Santa Fe, or in San Francisco, and so a couple of years later, then I did move to San Francisco mm. and studied with this particular teacher, and he was influential. So really, it was JR and, and my teacher, Ben Lowe, that were just huge influences for me in, in who I am as a practitioner. Um, in Tai Chi, you, I learned so much about energy and chi and how to be present. Um, I was thinking about it, you know, there's like four main things I really learned in Tai Chi. I mean, I learned a lot, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot. In the, and one of the first principles they always talk about is to relax. Mm -hmm. And ha 
but it's not collapse, but it's learning just to relax within and not have tensions. And when you are more relaxed, you have your body flows better. And with that, you can have more, it just, it, it, it helps you in the treatment room as well, that you just relax with whatever's going on and have less attachment to whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, things need to be a certain way or anything like that. You just relax and be present. The other one is yielding. And, and in our society, we always, you know, you hear the word yielding and you think, oh, you're being weak or you're, you know, it's not the Western way to yield. But there's, a, there's actually more strength in being able to yield than being strong. So my teacher, Ben Lowe, would, uh, whenever he did workshops, he would, he would do this one part and he, he would look around the room and try to find the biggest, tallest guy he could find. He says, come over here, come over here. And he's, and he'd, he would like boost their ego. Like, you are big, strong, oh yeah, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and the guy's kind of, you know, buffing up here. And he's like, yeah. <clears throat> and so Ben says, oh, you're so strong. I don't know if I could do this. And so then, um, you know, Ben would, you know, he'd say, hold your arm out. And Ben would kind of push on, oh yeah, you're really strong. And he says, okay, I'm gonna have you pull, push down my arm. And Ben would have this just little arm that would stick out. and. But he says, my muscles are really loose, everything's relaxed. And he says, push my arm down. And the guy's just getting red in the face, just trying to push him down, and he can't. He can't lower his arm down. And Ben's giggling and laughing, and he says, look how loose I am, and he can't even lower my arm down. And then he said, now you put your arm out, and Ben would just go, he would just lower it right down. And so there's this thing about yielding, but you have to, they refer to it as investing in loss. You have to suffer a little bit before you can have this other side of it. And it's relaxing, it's being able to yield. Um, it's also listening to another person's energy and, and it's listening not only on, a, on your physical level, but it's also listening on an energetic level. It's listening what's in the room, what's being said, what's not being said. It's listening on so many different levels. I, I got so then I could just like touch somebody and I knew in their body where their main tension is, where they're holding stuff. And so it's the same thing as we take pulses. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that, that listening in that capacity. Um, and then with that, you get this inner strength, but it's the inner strength is definitely further down the road, but that's what Ben had. Um, he was just so strong, so relaxed. He could yield, but yet he could throw you across the room with one finger and he goes how why can I push you across the room with one finger and you can't stand there you know so <laughs> he had his you know his ways of doing it so but I learned a great deal from him mm-hmm. um, as well as JR so they were both masters in their fields and um, and I had the the great honor to be able to work with both of them for mm-hmm. many many years truly mm-hmm. yeah wow mm-hmm. So I'm curious, now Now I'm all excited to talk about pulses. <laughs> uh, what did Jay, Jay, what did you name Mary Ellen the other day? Oh, the queen of entry exit blocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah. Pulses, we'll, and then we'll talk about entry yeah. exits. But um, with this sensitivity that you gained in Tai Chi mm-hmm. to energy, mm-hmm. and then that feeding into how you're able to feel pulses, mm-hmm. I know you've tried really hard with pulses too and studied them in depth, but mm-hmm. what is the 
connection, the link between Tai Chi and pulse taking? Well, I think it's a little bit what I was saying. It's just, it's listening. And it's listening to the person's energy. And it's, when you take somebody's pulses, it's like, it's like looking at a portrait of somebody in, in, a, in a gallery. It's like, you can see this portrait, but then you see this physical side to them, but then there's the colors they add and the values and whatever lines they may add. And it's just this more depth that goes on with it. Um, so in taking someone's pulses, you're really feeling their life force and what is going on with them and where do they need support and where they don't. Where the pulse thing really kind of blossomed, I guess it's blossomed or hit me on the side of the head, um, <laughs> um, got my attention was I had just graduated from school and I had moved to a different state and there were no other acupuncturists around at that point, uh, particularly no five element <coughs> practitioners. And I, somebody came up to me shortly after getting there and she goes, you know, I just don't feel good. She was a 40 year old woman and, and she said, I just don't feel good. I can you just take my pulses? And, and I took her pulses and I could tell something was a little off, but there were like no blocks, no, you know, other major blocks or I couldn't, but it, I couldn't quite say, couldn't put my finger quite on it, but <laughs> I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. And I just said, you know, I really don't know. I, I said, um, you know, I don't know. Well, two months later she was dead from breast cancer. So that got my attention mm -hmm. and I go, what did I miss? And I became, I don't know if really obsessed is the right word, but I became so much more attuned. I said, what am I really feeling here? What is it that I'm getting? And, and therefore, for many years, I, you know, I, I worked a lot with a lot of cancer clients. And so I got so I started to understand cancer pulses and when they're in remission and when they're active and different kinds of pulses for cancers. And, you know, I, I really kind of dove into that for a while. And then, and then other types of things show up and you just start to develop understanding different pulse qualities, different things that show up and, and read them that way. Very good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes things have hit you on the side of the head and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about very subtle qualitative mm -hmm. differences. Do mm -hmm. they still feel subtle to you? Yeah, yeah. I have to be more quiet than the pulses. Mm. I, I have to be very still within. Mm. If I am not, or I'm like too whirly, or I'm in my head, or you know, trying to create my shopping list, or whatever, you know, I can't do it. So you, mm -hmm. you do have to do it. But the thing with Tai Chi, and like any sort of modality, you know, you learn how to play the violin, or the cello, or dance, or I mean, there's all so many different modalities that teach you how to get yourself more in that center place, or that being centered and it's it's not it doesn't have to be tai chi or acupuncture or whatever it could be lots of different modalities and um, in that um, learning how to get into that space quicker and a lot of it is just getting out of your head mm -hmm. um, the mind is pretty powerful and, and it's learning I, I always kind of think of it as you have to exercise your mind to be more quiet and that's what tai chi really does and particularly an aspect of Tai Chi is holding postures, and they are really hard. To hold postures, hold a position for several minutes, and to relax into it, and not get attached to the pain, and just to let things go. And it's it's a it's a training of the mind to be more quiet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. And 
with that in mind, being an acupuncturist for all of these years and constantly putting yourself in that space of mm -hmm. stillness, how mm -hmm. has that rippled into the rest of your life? Um, Not rippled. Hmm. <laughs> life goes on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to answer that one, but... Um, well, how has it changed your perspective on, let's see, challenging human dynamics, for example, or, you know, when you're looking at things more energetically, mm -hmm. it becomes easier to understand right. why humans do some of the things right. they do. So how has it changed your perspective of... I think, I think I'll, I'll use a line from, you know, I remember Judy Worsley one time saying, it's like, we kind of go along and then we get stuck in these rabbit holes. And I go, you know, I just become more aware quicker and faster when I get in a rabbit hole and what do I need to get out of it and what got me hooked and and it's, so sometimes I'll, I'll have like a great day and I'm feeling good and I'm going why am I not feeling good and I'm going oh it was this transaction this is what got me why did I get me oh you know and I, I can just mm. kind of rewind the walk the, mm. the the chatter a little bit it's like okay just let it go move on and try to be less hooked you might say mm -hmm. with things um I still get hooked. I'm human, you know. Human. Yeah, that's easy to do. <laughs> yeah. and then, but, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, just yeah. breathe in your belly, relax, get yourself centered, and then move on. But being able to figure that sort of source out yeah. much more quickly. Yeah. So in a way, like taking your diagnosis skills mm -hmm. that you've learned mm -hmm. and then really bringing them to your own life. Oh, yeah. 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 Life still goes on. Mm -hmm. The body gets a little older, a little creakier, and you're just like, <laughs> Yeah. Tai Chi keeps things moving. It does. It does. <laughs> Definitely. And with pulses, as we mentioned, you're the queen of entry-exit blocks. <laughs> Another way to say that is you're very sensitive with entry-exit blocks, mm -hmm. um, which I think is maybe a more accurate <laughs> description. Um, so what have you found with your, the quality of your treatments by treating entry-exit so sensitively? I, you know, I think I'm going to rephrase it. It's, I don't think it's so much entry exits. It's just listening to energy. Mm. You know, I know you guys always think it's entry exits, but I, I do like those. But anyway, um, I think say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just listening to different people's energies and pulses, and um, you know, when you really look at our society and our life now, it just gets faster and busier and crazier and more stress and. And it depends where everybody decides to get themselves hooked into. And, and particularly, you know, the younger generation, I just see what they're going through and how, <clears throat> how to make decisions and how to still be connected with their friends and but not connected. Or, you know, there's just, there's so much diversity and stuff going on. And you have somebody come in who hasn't had acupuncture and you take their pulses and you're just like, oh man, where do we start mm. here? And, you know... Entry exits, I sometimes think of them kind of as like, you know, we we have different blocks in life, you know, like if say if somebody has, um, you know, a block between small intestine meridian to the bladder meridian, and and a lot of times if I see that over and over, I you know I'm saying, well, first off, are you drinking your water, you know, because the bladder is associated with you know the water element, and you know, are you getting rest, are you overflowing your reserves, are you and, and, and have conversations like that. So you can address their lifestyle a little bit. And they're like... To address, address the block. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But it, but it could be, you know, um, 
a different kind of block, a husband-wife imbalance, or it could be, you know, all these, there's, there's so many different blocks that, that can be addressed. Are there entry exits that you typically see with seasonal shifts? I know you asked me that question. Um, <laughs> possibly, but not, it's not a written, mm-hmm. written rule. I think it's more for the person and what's going on. And yeah, how the season maybe affects them. So maybe a better question is... Or even you... stuff that happens in environment. Like, you know, a year and a half ago, there was a huge fire, mm. you know, here in the city, Louisville, you know, where a quarter of the town burned down. And, I, you know, there were definitely blocks. I think there were more people who had probably blocks more on that sphere level mm. and different things like that. I think there is the environmental or 9-11 definitely mm. affected people overall, affecting them on a different level type of block. So... Mm. I think it's not necessarily just entry exit, but I think it's just blocks in general. Blocks in general, mm-hmm. yeah. Show up. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense. It does make sense. Thank yeah. you for elaborating. Yeah, <laughs> I remember treating all day long on nine eleven, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that was an interesting day. And it, and after a while, I kind of did a sort of similar treatment on everybody because everyone was just devastated. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just so sometimes there's these big days that are just. It affects everybody, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, collective energetic collective. shifts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like a year and a half ago, where we had the shooting and at the supermarket, you know, and that affected you know the whole community. And so it's interesting to have these community quote blocks, so to speak, that show up and how mm-hmm. they present in people, and then mm-hmm. how you know how do we deal with them too? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean, there are events that are. So too big for us to fully digest or to understand. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and each person is going to um, mm-hmm. have it affect them in, in their own way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based on Get their patterns in their and life. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where do they get hooked or where do they get stuck? Yeah, yeah, so that makes more sense. It's like yeah. you might see different blocks for different people based mm-hmm. on their patterns, proclivities, yeah. and yeah. choices mm-hmm. based on external. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, thank you for mm-hmm. <laughs> deep diving a little bit more into that. <laughs> Some more questions with entry exit locks. <laughs> um, okay. So let's choose maybe, let's stick with the two, three. When you think about what's going on with the small intestine official in that situation, it's taking, it has an overflow of energy and then the bladder is not getting anything. So how, what are different ways that that shows up in people and their emotions or their energy? Well, probably, you know, kind of what I was just saying. I, I think each person it may show up a little differently. Um, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, at the bladder meridian. And, and you know, in our society, um, we tend to think you need to go 24-7 all the time. And, and our society <clears throat> thinks that, you know, you shouldn't really rest or, you know, rest is overrated or I'll wait until I'm six feet under or something like that. I mean, I've heard of various things, but um, but rest is just as important as, you know, exercise. It's just as important as eating nutritional food. As It's just as important having friends and connections and as well as having that connected to the, you know, higher energy and that higher spirit. So all of them are all working together and we need a balance with all of them um but 
yeah, I mean, but particularly in Colorado and it being so dry and we're at higher altitude, I think the first question I said, you know, are you drinking your water? And, yeah. you know, it's, and, it's, and that is different, say, with somebody being on the ocean and where there's a lot more moisture and humidity and stuff. You know, you may not see as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't it interesting where people go, come here to Colorado and then go up to the higher elevation and they all get these headaches. And, you know, a lot of times it's that, you know, small intestine bladder block because they're dehydrated because they mm. don't have enough water in their mm. system because it mm. is so dry there. Yeah. It's just, yeah, circumstance for sure. So I had a T3 block come up in the clinic the other day and this person was over sorting her time because she had so little energy. Right. And so that makes sense. Had, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was a mm-hmm. moment for me of mm-hmm. realization like, oh, okay, so your bladder's not, your reserves aren't being able, you're not accessing your reserves. So you have minimal energy, so then the sorter is having to work extra hard, and that's their kind of relationship. Yeah, so they could figure out where to allocate right. the, mm-hmm. yes. what little they have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is a conversation you hear people's like, well, I only have so much energy, and I'm just going to use it just here and here and here. Mm-hmm. And actually what they're doing is they're shutting their energetic field down because I'm like, I only have it for this and this, and that's it. But that takes a lot of energy to mm-hmm. hold it that way. If you would just relax more in the moment and and just kind of accept the moment actually you're gonna have a lot more energy mm. available to you than trying to hang on to the mm. little bit i've got right yeah. and um yeah that that takes a lot of energy to do that so i want to shift gears a little and ask you about your role as clinic director okay, uh, okay. first of all how long have you been the clinic director Interesting question. Um, (laughs) I had been finishing up my doctorate program, Uh and um, after um, the president of the school had passed away, Sandra Lilly, um, there was kind of a a job shift going on, and the person who was the clinical director um, ended up becoming president, Hillary Skellen. Mm -hmm. And um, so then, and Hillary was the clinic director. so there was a little discussion of who was going to do with different jobs and stuff like that. And But I said, well, I, I need to finish. I'm finishing school March, I don't know, it was like March 10th. I said, I'm finishing school March 10th, and I could take over March 15th. And um, so I took over March 15th, and this is uh, 2020. Oh, so just a couple days before everything changed. Yeah. So I took <laughs> over March 15th, being the clinical director, and two days later I closed the clinic. Uh-huh. Down. Yeah. So I was full bore into the pandemic. Wow. So that's how I started the clinical directorship, uh, was trying to manage, you know, how do we do a pandemic and having a clinic open or not open? And yeah, what do we do? How did you manage? Well, there was a lot. I mean, there was one person in particular. She had to do 10 more treatments and then she was going to graduate and the clinic was going to be closed indefinitely. We didn't know. The state um, closed all clinics down probably about a week or so later, and we were all shut down for two months, but we didn't know how long we were going to be shut down. Yeah. Um, so, it's all a mystery at that point. Yeah, time. so there was a lot of like, oh, well, we got to deal with this, and we got to deal with this, and we got to deal with this. And I needed to educate myself because then I had to be the person that said, oh, this is this pandemic, you know, we've got COVID-19, COVID-19 does this, 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 and we need mm-hmm. to do da 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 I had to completely educate myself on all of that. Yeah. Because I had to implement these different things, and when we reopen, what are we going to do? And 
Yeah, it was, it was slow. Yeah, I dove in head first. I mean, we only just stopped wearing masks a few months ago, so this is your only your first couple months of just being COVID free in the wow. clinic. I know. I didn't realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good job. What a time you chose in a way. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Wow. What inspires you the most about teaching in the clinic? I. I have a very strong passion about this medicine mm-hmm. and how powerful it is and how it can change people's lives, how it, um, yeah, I have a very, very strong passion for it. And, you know, I always kind of go back and forth as, you know, I'm in the, in the treatment room and I'm helping people that way. But then, after, you know, it's funny, as you get older, you start kind of looking at the world a little different. And I'm going, how can I have a bigger footprint um, in getting this medicine out there? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I started teaching a little bit more and more and more. But then, um, but my favorite, favorite area of teaching is being in the clinic. I mm-hmm. love the hands-on. I love showing, you know, pulses and treatment plans and spear the points and mm-hmm. all of this stuff and, and making it come to life. And that, and once again, it is an art form. This style of medicine is such an art form. It's not black and white. It's like somebody comes in with back pain, you don't do these three points and add these two. It's like, what's going on with them? Why, you know, why is their foundation shaky at this point? What's going on? And how can we shore them up, so to speak? And how can we get them more solid and have more of a sense of peace within. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very different way of looking at it um, from a different lens than some other traditions. And with that, that's what I want to impart. I've been blessed with very good teachers um, all along the way, people here at the school, people with MAP, colleagues, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it's a great group of people. Yeah. And um, I just wanna keep it alive, I wanna keep it going. And this is my way of I can be the, a, a bigger footprint in getting that across to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to hearing you talk so generously about those who have taught you and mm-hmm. brought you mm-hmm. along the journey, what is your hope for yourself to leave for those that are following in your footsteps? Well, oh, I got a lot more stuff coming down the pike. <laughs> so, for example, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> oh, I know, but yeah. but you are. I want to keep are, teaching, and yeah. I want to do even you know broader, you know more teaching. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I do have an interest in doing some writing. I might do a little more writing. You know, mm-hmm. so I have lots mm-hmm. of things. And start teaching a little bit more Tai Chi principles, but not so much in. Um, the sparring side of things, but more um, teaching people principles and, you know, I've had it, well, let me back up, back up the story a little bit. I've had a few times where I've had some students where I keep trying to teach them to, about yielding and they just don't get that concept. They're going, no, I can't yield. Yeah, that's being weak or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So then I get them to stand up and we're doing a, a, a stance where we're facing each other, a Tai Chi stance. And I said, okay, if I pushed on your shoulder, you yield there, right? And then I push on the other shoulder and they yield. And I, I just kind of keep slowly getting closer to the center of their spine and they keep yielding and yielding and yielding. And I said, you can still yield, still keep your center and still be standing upright and, it, and you're okay. And, and in fact, you're stronger if you yield than if you don't yield. Because if you're very um, 
um, tense or try to be very strong, you're going to fall right over. Mm-hmm. And so then I say, go, go tense, go really tight. And then they, they can see how they fall right over. And yeah. so I start, I just have to do hands on with them. I said, you get this, you get this, so you need to yield, you need to relax, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've done that sometimes in the treatment rooms or something. I'm well, not the treatment rooms, but you know, in the supervisor room, just kind of like getting to learn how to just, the more you can relax, it actually makes you much stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as we know, when we're studying, you know, in the very first intensive, you learn that, you know, which one's stronger? Is it water or is it stone? And we all know that water is stronger than stone because the water can just run, can wear the stone away mm-hmm. and it can yield and it can move and it can take shape, whatever it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And it can be very powerful and it can be very quiet. It can be, you know, refreshing. So it has these different qualities and it's just learning how to... Um, do that. I forgot what the question was. Be like water. Be like water was your book, and it sounds like the idea of weaving the mm-hmm. energetics of Tai Chi into the energetics oh, yeah. of acupuncture or something. That would oh, yeah. be very, very cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Yielding is one of your big messages. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the student where you're pushing the shoulder mm-hmm. back and forth and mm-hmm. they're yielding, and then it gets closer to the center, and right. then at some point it just becomes an energetic yielding. I'm, I'm exactly. Imagining. And that's much more subtle, harder to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, there's the sparring side of Tai Chi, which is called push ends. And I've done a lot of push ends in the past. And you. And that is where I really learned that sensitivity to touch, where somebody could push, just touch me, and I'm like, oh, I'm tense here. And they're going, yep. And I go, okay, just give me a second. I can relax it. Okay, relax. Oh, yeah, you relax it. Now, then they can't push me out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's this whole learning how to move with that. And, um, yeah. It's like a dance. A dance with energy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, But then applying it to acupuncture life whatever right yeah right so in bringing a bigger footprint to five elements um what does that look like practically i mean obviously you're doing the clinic are Mm -hmm. there future ideas programs maybe you're running currently that (laughs) (laughs) well as i said we have lots of ideas so and i i know we'll be you know doing more things. I know here at the school, we want to do a doctorate program. We want to get that up and running uh-huh. at some point. And um, you have LEAF. And we have LEAF. We have, we have other, mm-hmm. you know, things kind of coming down the pipe. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, you know, it, the Five Element is a, is a great community, and I love tapping into all the different people. And then, of course, I love working with all, you know, the interns and the students and stuff like that and kind of getting to know you. And then you, I always think of you guys, oh, they all fly off again, but, you know, some return, some, you know. It's yeah. Like, there's always this. It was a great migration period. Yes, and... yeah, there is. <laughs> You're like, do they come back? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I know that I can say for many of us how grateful we are to be in a time where we get to learn with you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you guys are an awesome, both of you are very wonderful people and um, a great class too so yeah and thank you for all that you do for the school and mm-hmm. for those in your private practice it's okay thanks a much better world with you doing your healing work oh thank you yeah thanks. thanks for being a teacher and for sharing what you've learned so because another day you guys are going to be teachers too so we'll <laughs> pass we gotta on pass it on we gotta yeah. pass it on that's you know? yeah. that's how it works that's mm-hmm. it. yeah yeah well, thank you so much for your time today. Okay, it was a true joy to be able to speak with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that 
you no, nothing's burning on your on, tongue. No, no, nothing's <laughs> burning on my tongue. I think I, we pretty much talked or touched base on everything. So okay, okay, so well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.